Hey everybody, I'm Mike Burnett. I am the Executive Director of Concha Valley Community Action Agency. And with me today is Dr. Tim Davenport-Herps, the pastor at St. Paul Presbyterian Church. And you are listening to CVCAA Unplugged from Action to Impact. So Tim, how's it going? Great. How about you, Mike? I'm doing well. Full disclosure, Tim is my pastor, and uh, we are members of the same wine club, and we'd like to hang out together. But we also enjoy uh, our organizations partnering together to work uh, towards alleviating some of the causes of poverty and working with our low-income and homeless neighbors in here in San Angelo. Yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, so, Tim, just uh, real quick, talk a little bit about what's St. Paul does uh, to work with our um, low-income community. This is deep in the DNA of St. Paul. So from for decades, we've been involved in this. We were the first organization to have a 12-step program yep. in the community. We started up the first drug treatment program. Uh, we had the first fully integrated Head Start in yep. the community. So this is something that's really important to us. And we've really been doing food as a big major focus since the early 90s. Mm. So that's about 30 years at wow. this point. Well, better than 30 years now. And that all came from a new member coming into the church and saying, how come we aren't handing out Christmas baskets? And someone saying, we can do that. Yep. Let's do that. That's what we always do. We like to jump in, see a need and jump in like that. So... It's a good thing. So what we're doing right now is we have been running the Oasis for the last couple of years. We are temporarily shut down right now as we're looking at getting more funds and exactly what it's going to look like over the winter as we take care of and work alongside our unsheltered neighbors. Mm -hmm. We have a food distribution. And this is so cool yeah. because we used to do a major, huge food distribution once a year. Yeah. At Christmas. At Christmas. Yep. Right. And we kind of got into a competition with ourselves. And every year we were adding more and more stuff until we got to the point where we were handing out 40 days worth of food. Yeah. And that got a little bit excessive. 40 days of food to 100 or so families. Or 300. 300 or so families. So when you do the math, right. that's a lot of food going out. Right. Yep. So it was, I mean, we were sending out more meals than the soup kitchen served an entire year. Yep. Now, they prepare them. Yes. We sent out the components right. for you to prepare them. So it's not exactly the same thing. But when pandemic started and we all thought, what are we going to do? We're supposed to stay home. People can't go to work. They're going to be hungry. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to stay safe. How are we going to do this? We decided to start up a regular food distribution. And so working in partnership with the food bank, with whom we've been great partners for decades, we started getting food uh, out to the community. Started off at twice a week, and yep. then we realized that's going to burn us out. We yep. probably should do this once a week. Yep. And this became something that a lot of our youth did for the entire second half of that semester yeah. that they were in. Yeah, 2020. So, yeah, yep. so they were out there helping. I saw that with my son, with your daughter, everyone out here helping, and it was so meaningful. And, and now we do it once a month on the second Saturday of each month. It is something where you come and we will qualify you. We take down the information. Mm -hmm. 
But here's the thing. If you're willing to be in line for that long and the, the line will wrap all the way around the block yep. at St. Paul Presbyterian Church, 11 North Park, <laughs> right across Casual from, plug. Right, right across <laughs> from the Lily Garden, right by Central High School. Yep. So if you're willing to do that, we know that you are in need of food. Yep. So no one gets turned away. You come and we'll qualify you and get you signed up. So we're doing about 300 families. Mm -hmm. What we've seen is in the last couple of months, it's actually gone up. Yeah. As the money from pandemic relief has kind of dried up as uh, the time when the loans are being foreborne uh, finishes out. Foreborne. Yeah. What's so, is that the word? <laughs> is, that the, is that the past I don't know. Uh, forbear. You should have to start paying them back. So. Yeah. 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 When it gets. I have to Google that one. Right. So when you, when everything was getting a little bit more difficult to do. Yeah. We started noticing more and more people showing up, you know, 25, 30 extra families mm -hmm. each month. And that's been going on for several months. Yeah. So we serve a little over 300, a little over a thousand people yep. in those 300 families. 300 people, 300 families. A thousand people, and it's and it's in the we stopped counting by meals. Right. We started counting by tons of food that goes out. And this last month, there was I think twenty six tons. Twenty six tons of food was distributed in just around two hours. Right. Including how many eggs? Oh, what was it? It was <laughs> it was more eggs than would fit in a baseball stadium or something. Right, it was, it was like, like it was like 50 Arizona Diamondbacks. It's like fifty something. something thousand eggs. Right, went out in two something out, two and a half hours. And if you put yeah. one egg on every single chair going yeah. around, you would still have stuff left over. Yeah, yeah, it still had an extra it's, thousand. It's insane. Right, it's it's one of those things. Like I remember at the beginning of it, so the food pantry at St. Paul was just a closet. Right, and we we emptied the closet. And what we knew to do was put food in boxes right. and then give it, because that's what the Christmas the Christmas box was. You, you and just, we always you know, had Chick-fil-A boxes. We had a ton of Chick-fil-A yeah. boxes. And so everything, you know, we had, remember we had the fellowship hall lined up. We'd walk through in a loop, loading up the boxes and then, you know, palleting the boxes, putting them in cars and whatnot. And then sourcing boxes was an issue. Right. And then sourcing volunteers to put things in the boxes was an issue. This, right. is, this is over the course of, 15 months or so and right. now now pallets from the food bank show up that morning right and a car always from the beginning you would pull up in your car you get checked in you don't get out of your car right food is put in your car and now straight off the pallets into your car it's it's very impressive to watch the the you know st paul being a church of of what 50 60 active members on any given week probably roughly. 150 members yeah. and 50 60 people yep. in person yeah and then yeah. and then the team that runs this changes monthly right a huge piece of it is the is the latter-day saints coming right in. they've the been there since almost the beginning right and they are they are the bulk of the the the, the beef that, that loads it in and out the, right. the muscle and then you've got a team checking people in you've got a team guiding guarding traffic and right. it, it's, it's super impressive to watch um it's amazing it and it's so much fun and if you show up and you don't have a car because yep. we sometimes get that we have our homeless neighbors yep. they'll show up and they might have a bike they might be taking things just in their hands yep. we work it out we figure out what what kind of storage do you have 
So this month in October, for example, we have a whole bunch of sausage patties. Mm. And if you don't have a freezer or a refrigerator, that's not a good match. You, right. you yep. kind of need that. So you might need pop top. And so anyone that comes through that's in a special circumstance, we work with them, try to take care of them, look after them with what they can use. Yeah. And what, what, what's been really very fascinating to watch from, from where I, you know, I used to be heavily involved day to day with it. Now I do more of the database and the back end stuff. But when you, when you look at like the parable of the loaves and fishes. Oh my gosh. And you, and you sit there and you think, okay, here's X thousands of people we got five loaves and two fishes, and then there was abundance left over. And and what's what's very cool is every month when these cars come through, there's always the right amount of food to hit. Now sometimes right. volunteers take stuff at the end, but we don't we don't end up storing a lot of food left over because it's all going out. We have how many whatever twenty plus tons last month right. went out to the right amount of people that showed up right. to, to to get it. It's just it's just very very cool the amount of food that this that your church our church is putting right. out in in such a short time um it's amazing and we've had people from the base yep. we've had them from first methodist <clears throat> we've had them from tlc um different churches different organizations they pop in they pop out we had um oh what's that called the the chamber of commerce does with the young folks oh the young new, professionals not the young professionals the new folks that are new to the community oh yeah there's yeah, a yeah. class oh i don't remember what that's called but yeah i know what you're talking about you all know what that's called leadership no. san angelo oh yeah okay yeah yeah so it's yeah leadership san angelo would show up they collected stuff for us yep and that's uh, right they did oh yeah. yeah yeah and then they also showed up and staffed some of these positions yeah the it's it, it's been going on for over three years right from twice a week to once a once a week twice a month once a month right and it's still pushing tons tons literally of food right. out uh let's talk about the oasis a little bit yeah so that is the day shelter that saint paul runs again here's a need right here's saint paul jumping in saying we've got a gym we've got people that can staff this so how what is the oasis and how does that what does that look like and how does so that the oasis is using what's been our gym as a day shelter and it's gone through a number of different versions over the last six or seven years i keep going through facebook memories and finding mm. oh that's right we did it that many years ago yep. oh wait there was another year before that that yep. we were doing that and so we would during the hottest days of the summer open up uh, partnered with salvation army they would sometimes loan us their cots we'd let people lie down sometimes in the coldest parts of the winter we would open up. We were open overnight yeah. after the shelter shut down, mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out what to do. It was not being handled by anybody else in town. Yep. And and I'm really glad that the Homeless Planning Coalition, which you chair. Yes. Yes. It's all a very close-knit circle really here is. in the in the low-income community, service communities. And right. And we all know and love each other. Yes. It's great. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's great to see that the community is coming together and I love the fact, so 20 years ago, we opened a classroom in our gymnasium to be the only place in town that had an apartment for a homeless family to come. Mm. Because we'd tried to set it up with other churches, but no one was willing to let people in that they thought might mess up their 
pristine church. Right. And so we opened up, uh, put them in right next to our Sunday school classrooms. Yep. And, and it was a single mom on her second pregnancy. And I'm glad to say she is a manager of a store now. That's cool. And she and her wife do all sorts of things in town. They're helping out. Uh, they actually show up at the uh, navigation day. Oh, cool. And, and they're representing one of the businesses there. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and this this is one of the next questions is, you know, what are some myths or misconceptions about what you do or St. Paul does um, with the low-income and homeless community? And and I think, you know, what I've seen, you know, I came, I came to this, this world very late in life. I was a, a professor for 25 years. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic changed a lot of things for a lot right. of people. And so one of the things that I am constantly amazed at is, when resources are applied to our low income and homeless folks, they they can pull themselves up with a lot. Of, it does take a right. lot of help. Um, and some, you know, the, them being able to pull themselves up is shorter time. Right. Some people needs a longer time. But, right. you know, when there's that willingness to 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 say, I, I'm not I don't like these circumstances. What help can I get? And then there's agencies and, and organizations that can apply that help like this family. Right. And now they're they're contributing back to society. They're they're so much. They've transitioned out of poverty. You know, and right. those are things that that I think, you know, the the a lot of folks in our community don't really understand. I hear a lot of why can't they just pull themselves something in their bootstraps? Why can't, you know, some of them don't even have bootstraps. Some of it's, them, it's, some it's of them the bootstraps impossible. broke. Yeah. So you have to have an ID for almost everything. Yep. Yep. And we learned this during pandemic. We had to get driver's license for my son, Sam. And we never could pull together all the documents. We'd show up at DMV and they'd say, what about the shot record from the first week after he was born? Yeah. Where's that? And Where's this like, random piece of right? Info. And yeah. and so we never could get through that. What we ultimately ended up doing was getting him a passport because it was literally yeah. easier to get him a passport <laughs> than to get him a driver's license or a Texas ID. So that's that's the difficulty. If you right. don't have an ID, you can't work. Yep. You have to have that information. If you lose your social security card, it's usually not enough just to know your number. Yeah you have to have that social security card or at least a photocopy of it. And so we've made these barriers to people getting back into society mm -hmm. so high, you know, um, landlords that y'all help out with, uh, getting people in sometimes, you know, if they're not looking at a complete, uh, lease happening, then, um, they might not want to, uh, take the people in. And so getting, going past the, the bias, I guess, right. that people have yeah. is really, really important. And it's, and it's a stigma and our homeless neighbors are not the people everyone thinks. Yeah, exactly. They, they are, um, they are folks that have sometimes had drug problems, almost always have had mental health problems. And if you don't have mental health problems before you go on the street, you have them after you're on the street. Yeah. And so you have to have MHMR or another agency as part of that solution. And and it needs to be all of us working together. And I'm really pleased to say that in San Angelo, we do. Yeah. We're trying, we're, we're still in the infancy trying to get that going. 
the thing that was the biggest surprise to me, I think, this last year was talking with one of our homeless neighbors as he was sweeping and helping us clean up before we closed the Oasis one night. And I found out that he was a former pharmacist who had wow. run the world's largest compounding pharmacy. Wow. And whatever had happened that put him on the street, put him there. But this was a guy that spoke multiple languages wow. and had advanced degrees. And we'll see that. We'll have, we actually have managers of fast food joints here in town hmm. that are not, they're homeless because they don't have the capital to get into a new house immediately. Yep. And so they'll live in their cars and they depend on the kindness of strangers. Yeah. It's, it's not who everyone thinks it is. It is, you're right. And you know, the, you know, talking about trying to get the IDs, you know, you, you have a lot of resources. You have a job that lets you have that flexibility to, right. and to take Sam during the day to it. You look at our low income folks, right. you know, they're hourly a lot of times or, and, or, you know, their vehicle is, you know, they've got just enough gas to get to work and back, but having to take time off to go down to the DMV multiple times or, right. or whatever service to go get a new social security card or whatnot, all those pieces, you know, it, it's, it's, there's a lot more hurdles that I think people um, think think there are, you know. So, um, so what what is uh, something else about St. Paul or a goal that you have for St. Paul um, or something that you just want to talk about? Um, so the Oasis we touched on just briefly. I want to talk about that a little bit more. Sure. Uh, this last summer, when it was so hot and we broke record after record, people were coming. We were serving, I think, about an average of. 65 people a day that's insane that would come yep. in and uh, get some food get some air conditioning maybe lie down because when you're on the street it's not safe to lie yep. down all by yourself no matter where you are yep. and so you can't sleep well and that's when we started noticing it was also other people too it wasn't just our unsheltered neighbors it was grandparents raising grandkids who didn't have air conditioning that could handle yeah. 110 degrees. They even had AC that could handle 100, yeah. but they couldn't handle what we were at this summer. Yeah. And so they would come in. And then we started noticing we were having people after school started picking their kids up from school and coming over to get mm -hmm. food at the Oasis because they'd already spent everything they had yeah. on the kids going back to school. And so, this center is, it started off, we talked about it as being for our unhoused neighbors, but it's for all vulnerable yep. people in the community. So we're shut down for right now, which is a totally fine time to be shut down if we're going to be shut down because it's beautiful outside. Yep. It's, you know, a high of 80 degrees in West Texas. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. And. But while you're shut down. While we're shut down, it's nice because the temperatures, but we're still not we're still not able to meet the needs right. of the folks needing food. Part of or what part of what came up, or, right? So we yeah. got this big food distribution. We were serving more people during the week. Yeah, uh, Monday through Friday, we'd have a food pantry open. People would come in, they would get food, take it home, and we would serve 300 families once a month. But we were serving 350 families throughout the month. Yeah. So that's shut down for the moment. We yeah. really would like to reopen that. It costs about five, $6,000 a month yeah. to operate it because you can't run one of these things with volunteers. 
You have to have control over when people show up. We watched this this last winter when they tried running things uh, for overnight shelter mm -hmm. for our homeless neighbors, and they depended on volunteers, and all they did was wipe them out. Yep. And so we try to take care of our neighbors. We look after them, and we're hoping that we'll be able to reopen before the cold temperatures start yeah. and stay open through the winter. And it's and it's not just the, the, the people you have working there. There's also some of them have to be certified in some things because oh you're doing gosh. food. Yes. You can't necessarily count on a volunteer to have all the right stamps on the card to be able right. to deal with food. So you're, the paid staff are. Right. Um, we have people with the certifications yeah. and working on getting that certification for being a food handler manager. Yeah. And that's that's a difficult test to pass. And so so funding obviously. So right. the, you know if, if if people listening there's you know coming out of a church, it's a small church. Right. 150 people, so that's not right. like the big, you know, the Paul Lands or the the First Baptists or whatever. Right. And we're a smaller church. So finances get stretched. Right. And so, you know, always looking for those dollars. So if people wanted to donate to St. Paul they could, you can go online, donate there. You right. can send a check, bring cash over to right. town, you know, whatever. There's, there are you go to stpaulsanangelo.org, and there's a button that says yep. donate. Just make sure to put in the memo line. Uh, this is for Oasis um, needs in yep. our community. That's what most people are writing now is uh, community needs. Yep. And you've also um, been able to receive some, uh, EFSP fund, emergency food and shelter funds from right. through United Way, right? Which helps to to go towards some of this, right? But it, it's just a small piece, and the, right. there's a lot of red tape that goes with that as well. Um, well, and we just got our first significant grant from the Anderson Foundation. That's great, and and we also thank you to them and and others. We wouldn't have made it through a pandemic with all that we were doing without support of the Presbytery of Tres Rios, mm -hmm. which is our judicatory in our church wow, system speaking these big words Judi yeah judicatory. it's them people we got to answer to so without them and without the area foundation yep. they yep. helped out enormously also so if what we really need are people not just to do one-time gifts we are so grateful for those but if you can pledge for the next six months to give a certain amount each month then that will help us know that we can go ahead and reopen. Yep. Um, some churches have already stepped up. Southland Baptist voted to give us $1,600 to run the nice. Oasis. And once we're up and running again, that will be in the mix. And so organizations, individuals, we accept support from anyone That's right. who offers That's it. That's right. Yeah, I, I, you know, you mentioned the Area Foundation. They are huge. Huge. At at supporting right. things like this, you know, there there's so many nonprofits in in our area. Um, but what's what I found was really cool about Area Foundation is people will donate to Area Foundation and say, you know, I don't know what organization is doing this work, but I feel like I want to help support people with food insecurity. And they'll right. donate to the Area Foundation, and, right. and Matt Lewis and his team, they're like, all right, who does food insecurity? Food bank. St. Paul X Y Z, and then they'll and then they'll move that money right. in. So, if if you're not comfortable in donating to a to an organization specifically, send it to the Area Foundation, and right. they can they can make it happen. Absolutely, very cool. Well, Tim, it's been good talking with you. Good to talk to you. Right. Thanks, man. Okay, and we'll talk to you all next time on CVCAA Unplugged.